police in the morning. In a place between pleasure and pain, there is sensual experience beyond limits. And in a world between paradise and purgatory, there is a horror that feeds the souls of evil. Welcome to the singular vision of Clive Barker and his landmark horror opus, Hellraiser. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the The B-Movie Bros. We review B-movies to the best of our ability. Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. This week, as we continue our journey through March, or here at uh, B-Movie Bros, we call it Monsters Are Rather Charming Hornballs, we are taking a look at the 1987 horror classic, Hellraiser. You heard what the back of the DVD box had to say. Now let's dive right into the ship with our top and bottom three technical difficulties. Let's uh, start with the top first. Ooh, always want to be on top, don't you? Oh, yeah. For me, number three, Frank and his resurrection. The character of Frank is actually the only one that I find memorable of the humans in this movie. You know, he's just kind of sickly in a way, you know, both mentally and physically. When he comes back from the dead, it is some of the best special effects in the movie. He just kind of like seeps up from the floor and his bones rebuild and all this goop is coming up and coming out and it's just really cool. It's definitely a good way to start the story. Number two, the last 10 minutes that takes place at the house, everything really builds to a crescendo. It just comes together and you've got your your final bit of horror slasher bit. You've got the demon centibites coming out and you've got a good bit of gore. And also you up the creepy factor of Frank by like 300 because he's wearing the skin of the main girl, uh, Kirstie's father, while trying to seduce her. Number one, the centibites themselves, they're just creepy and cool and the makeup on them is fantastic and pinhead his voice just that is the voice of nightmares right there they above and beyond are what make this film memorable otherwise it would just be another throwaway slasher flick number three this movie had plenty of gore and blood but none of it seemed excessive it all seemed necessary and well done Number two, the plot of this movie was unique, to say the least. The protagonist's stepmother decides to bring back her husband's brother by having his skinless, reanimated body feast on living people. Definitely not one I've seen quite done that way. And number one, the centibites. They were cool-looking. Each one was unique in appearance. I also like the fact that they weren't the main antagonist of the film. They ruled over another dimension that was kind of just beyond our comprehension and perception. And this made the world this film took place in seem larger and full of nightmares that we haven't even seen. The only other movie I can think of where someone feeds off of other people to uh, regenerate themselves would be uh, The Mummy and The Mummy Returns. And this uh, definitely does it a lot better. Yeah, this is definitely a lot better than the fucking Mummy and Mummy Returns. So, let's get on to the bottom three. For me, number three. Was this movie supposed to be a drama, a thriller, a horror film, a slasher, a fantasy? What? It just, it kind of seemed to skip around from time to time. It was hard to tell when it was transitioning from one genre to another. 
And I thought it would have done better to just kind of stick with one theme overall. Number two. Spoiler alert here. What the fuck was up with the fucking bone dragon hobo thingy at the end? The hobo that's been stalking Kirsty just walks into the fire, pulls out the puzzle box, turns into a fucking bone dragon Satan motherfucker, and flies away into the sunset. You know, I know about movies, you know, ride off into the sunset because hooray, we've won or whatever. But seriously, what just happened? Number one, this movie needs more of the Cenobites. They are awesome. Number three, while the plot of this movie was definitely unique, it kind of played off like a soap opera. A woman is having an affair with her husband's brother, and her stepdaughter, who has animosity toward her, suspects the infidelity. Number two, you never really find out how exactly Frank came back from the centibite world. It seemed like a pretty impossible task, plus he comes back because his brother drips blood on the attic floor. How? Why? I really like this film, but damn it, I need a little more explanation than that. And there was a shit ton of blood that came out of his hand, too. Oh, yeah, that was quite like, a That was like someone getting stabbed in the jugular kind of blood. And number three, like Corey says, the fucking bone dragon hobo. Like, what the fuck was up with that? Well, you know, something that we didn't really mention was the dialogue. But let's have ourselves a good old-fashioned quote war. Quote war. We'll give you some quotes from this movie back and forth. All right, Paul. Here we go. The box. You opened it. We came. Come to daddy. What I care about is a new skin. Come here, damn you. I want to touch you. I'm sorry. I'm new here. You're going to have to wait. Well, so much for the cat and mouse shit. We'll tear your soul apart. Jesus wept. And that ends this episode's edition of Quote Wars. If you have a favorite quote from Hellraiser, please leave it here in the comments or on our website, bmoviebros.com. I think it's time for us to give our final take on this movie. Remember, friends, our final take is a score on our shot scale, which is a reverse scale, 1 to 10, 1 being the best, 10 being the worst. How many shots do you need to get through this film? For me, I gave this a 5 out of 10. I give this a 2 out of 10. Hellraiser is one of those movie franchises that I've heard about for years. And I have to say, it was extremely underwhelming watching the first movie of this series. It spends so much time building up to the climax that I felt like it was twice as long as it really was. And at 93 minutes, yeah, that seemed to add up. The character of Frank is the only memorable human character, but all of the Cenobites are fantastic in their own special way. What this movie lacks in story or things happening is made up for in special effects. It does deserve a place among classic slasher films such as Halloween, Friday the 13th, and A Nightmare on Elm Street. Just, to me, it seems like it's at the bottom of the list. Hellraiser is a film that manages to disturb you in all the right ways. It blurs the already nebulous line between pleasure and pain and mixes love with cruelty in a way that invokes curiosity into the depravity and vulgarity that exist within the depths of the human subconscious. 
it's an extremely gory and visceral experience, but takes great care not to waste a single drop of blood. There is no excess despite the plethora of carnage, as this film meticulously showcases every disgusting detail to demonstrate the raw carnage that encompasses the story. The demons of the other world, the Centibites, serve as the guardians of the darkness, who show us a world where our darkest fears and most heinous desires intertwine, becoming indistinguishable within the chaos and animalistic urges and humanistic morality that make up the contradiction that is human mind. The Centibites give you a glimpse into the darker portions of our soul, the corners we dare not tread, but never cease to be part of us. And if H.P. Lovecraft wrote a review for this movie, that's what it would say. That's what I was going for. So, there you have it. A 5 out of 10 for me. Slashy, but for the stuff that I've seen, I find it a little forgettable. And a 2 out of 10 for me. Now, we know not everyone likes to watch the same kind of shit that we do. So we like to give every B-movie we watch an A-movie companion a movie of higher class and standard, and tell you why these two movies are the same. For me, I picked the 2005 film Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I picked the 1995 film Jumanji. Both Mr. and Mrs. Smith and Hellraiser feature characters who seem to live a double life. In Hellraiser, Claire seems to live one life as a faithful wife to Larry, and another as Frank's lover, the brother of Larry who she keeps secret. And in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Mr. and Mrs. Smith both lead double lives, as a husband and wife who are business people, and as contract killers, unbeknownst to each other, somehow. Both movies feature a dominator or dominatrix-garbed individual murdering someone. In Hellraiser, the Cenobites murder Frank. In Mr. and Mrs. Smith, there's a scene where Angelina Jolie is dressed as a dominatrix and murders one of the marks, which, you know, she's hired to do. And both movies feature characters who change sides to work with one another. In Hellraiser, Kirstie and the Cenobites put their differences aside to get back at Frank. And in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, they at one point have to turn on each other as husband and wife to try and murder each other, because that's their job. And that's why Mr. and Mrs. Smith is an A-movie version of Hellraiser. Both Hellraiser and Jumanji focus around items that first appear to be ordinary toys. Hellraiser has the Centibites puzzle, and Jumanji has the board game Jumanji. The ordinary toys, quote-unquote, in both movies bring creatures from another world into our world. The puzzle and Hellraiser summon the Centibites, and the board game in Jumanji summoned all sorts of wild creatures and weird shit from that game. Both movies have people that get trapped within another world that was created by the object. Frank gets trapped in the Centibite world in Hellraiser, and Alan Parrish was trapped inside the board game Jumanji for most of his childhood. Both characters that get trapped within the item the world within the item, suffer from the things within it. Frank gets torn apart by centibites, and Alan has to fight lions and other shit throughout most of his life. And both movies spawn vastly inferior sequels. The subsequent Hellraiser films aren't nearly as good as the original, and Jumanji had a sequel called Zathura, which wasn't really all that good. And that is why 
Jumanji is an A-movie version of Hellraiser. Now I think it's time to tell everybody how to drink away the flick. Drink away the flick. Come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away the flick. We're going to give you some drinking games to go along with Hellraiser. For me, number one. Every time the puzzle box is on screen, take a drink. Number two. Every time Frank says, come to daddy, take a drink. Number three. Whenever a dead rat is shown on screen, take a drink. Number four. Anytime the Cenobite universe appears, take a drink. And number five, of course, because it's Monsters Are Rather Charming Hornballs Month, whenever a monster has sex or performs a sexual act, take a drink. Every time Frank eats somebody, take a drink. Every time somebody goes into the attic, take a drink. Every time Kirsty screams, take a drink. And every time you see a dead body, drink. And those are your ways to drink away the flick. But remember, drink responsibly. If you have a movie you'd like us to review or any additional comments, feel free to leave a message below. You can follow us on Twitter at BMovieBros, like us on Facebook, or follow my personal Twitter at BMoviePaul. You can listen to our stuff on SoundCloud or our website, BMoviebros.com. If you have an independent film you're working on and would like to discuss, you can email us at BMoviebros at gmail.com. Make sure to follow... Follow us on our website, where we have new content six days a week. And if you like our shows, please donate to our, our PayPal or join our Patreon. We appreciate every donation. Don't forget, friends, we are also available on iTunes. Now, as we continue through March, we will take a look at how zombies get it on next week in the 1992 Peter Jackson film, Dead Alive. Oh boy, zombie sex. Now, as far as the movies we've seen so far this month, I would rank them as Twins of Evil at number two. Although I enjoy the movie more, it is a worse movie overall than Hellraiser. Hellraiser's just got more gore, more character, more story, and better production value, I believe. I have the same score. For number two, I put Twins of Evil. Peter Cushion and Playboy models just aren't enough to save some films. Hellraiser is just a beautiful, gory work of art, and I just love that film. It's not perfect, but it's pretty damn close. So there you have it, friends. Until next week, be brave, be alive, be back for more. (laughs) 